Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime kitty co-hosts, Ms. Purrington and Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, our festivals page, which shows upcoming festivals across the country and the world, and we've finally wrapped up our 2023 FPIA contest page with results... And we are best known for our events page for live comedy shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW, where 100% of the entries you see come from comics and producers. If you want your show featured on the calendar, click the Submit a Show button from the top of the homepage or events page to complete the short survey. It's free and easy. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo to our Instagram followers. Want to support these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Click the Support CW icon on our homepage on the top right to see the ways that you can help us. Now back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. I'm on this tirade lately that we have some very stale reviews out there, and if you've heard any of our recent episodes, you know that they're, they're uh, rating-worthy. I mean, Howie Mandel, come on. Please rate us. Sophie Buttle, please. Jeremiah Watkins, come on. Please rate and review us. Okay, I'll stop. All right, today uh, we were talking to somebody who moved from New Jersey to Austin about 10 years ago. It's funny because he literally said that right before I hit record. Uh, he is a doctor, but he's not the kind that slices you open, so... That's why I'm allowing him here. Uh, He produces Chosen Comedy, a monthly comedy show at Sunset Strip. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Dr. Eric Snader. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. You don't have to be this formal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have to call me doctor. You can call me Eric. I know. I just thought, okay, you know, I want to elevate the podcast, right? I I appreciate that. (laughs) That's funny. Sorry, everyone. I, I was telling Eric beforehand, I just got double vaccinated. I'm feeling a little loopy, and so I'm going to be drinking a lot. So I apologize in advance for the, uh, the drinking sound effects uh, that you're going to hear throughout. Hi, Eric. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, welcome <laughs> to you, too. Thanks. Uh, thanks for making the drive out. Sure. Because uh, I know it is not, uh, it's not a short hop, skip, and a jump from, from downtown. I, I think that's... Uh, I got to figure out a selling point. It's a beautiful drive. It was a beautiful. It's a beautiful day, it's a beautiful and it was day. a beautiful drive. Yeah. So it was. It yeah. was worth it. Yeah. So definitely great. Uh, Eric, I have an opening question. Okay. Are you ready for it? I hope so. Okay. It's an icebreaker question. Okay. Okay. One word to describe your past. Funny. Funny. Oh wow! Isn't that topical? And not necessarily humorous. Funny. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> um. I am anxious to hear about New Jersey okay. and uh, growing up in New Jersey because I have one frame of reference for New Jersey. Uh-huh. The I Sopranos? Have, I have two. No. Okay. WFMU. WFMU. Not sure what that is. It is an independent radio okay. show. And years ago, probably going 10, 
or so. They're, you know, they're the kind of radio station. Mm -hmm. It's all indie, so you might have an hour dedicated to polka music. Oh, okay. And then the next hour you might hear, um, you know, some other different very, like, niche, you know, the throat singers. You might hear an hour of that, you know, so it's very broad-ranging. And for a period... They had one of my favorite comics, Dave Hill, okay. hosted his own show. So I became, you know, super fan of WFMU, that which is based in uh, New Jersey, just on the other edge, other other side of the river, from from the city. From uh, New York City. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. Oh. So about wait. an hour and a half. Okay. South of there, <laughs> same state, but a totally different area. <laughs> okay. And I, <laughs> you look disappointed. I, lo- I looked fearful because okay. you said Philadelphia, and I'm like, oh my god, did I get this wrong? <laughs> but I forget the Northeast. Correct. Everything is so compressed. Exactly. And so you might, you know, throw a baseball, and you're in a, a different state. Exactly. Yeah. So there's North Jersey, Central, and then South. Okay. If you're from North Jersey, Northeastern Jersey, you're a suburb of New York. Okay. And if you're South. West, you're a suburb of Philadelphia. Okay. And then if you're in the middle, you're basically um, identityless. <laughs> <laughs> and is that where Tony Soprano was? They're from that? uh, that's based in North Jersey. Okay. So closer to All New right. York City. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. A yeah. Mafia thing. Exactly. <laughs> we could get into that too because I did live in the Bronx. Oh gosh. In a very mafia-centered oh, area. Oh no. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Well, maybe this is our way to get at the uh, your past is okay. funny. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I we're gonna like talk about today, but then I'm gonna probably go backwards in time a little okay. bit because uh, you are you have like a real job. I do. And you're doing comedy as well. Correct. Yes. So is comedy your relief, or is there some? Um, how do you balance having real job mm-hmm. with comedy world? So I think that comedy has always been a part of everything I do. Mm-hmm. It's just that when I started doing stand-up comedy about five and a half years ago, it became separate from the rest of my life. So mm-hmm. the rest of my life still includes comedy, but it's more on a day-to-day conversational basis. Yeah. And now it's doing stand-up comedy specifically at open mics or shows. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I mean, maybe it's almost like a tree and a, and a new branch has yeah. grown. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be ageist, but okay. you and I both have the same shade of hair color. Gray, for yes. those who can't see. <laughs> for those who can't see, that would be gray. It is. It's natural. <laughs> so you starting five and a half years ago Correct. means like you just had a wild hair and said, you know what? I want to do stand-up. So interesting. So I've all getting back to the you know the funny, interesting part of yeah. my life. So I've always I, I didn't know that I always wanted to do stand-up, hmm. but since first grade, uh, my teacher had said something to my mother that in the middle of class I would just say something and and she and the other and the students would just laugh. Oh, so it's wow. always been in me, um, but it, and but I was growing up I was too concerned about what I thought. Others were thinking of me okay. to the point that it paralyzed me from actually doing stand-up. Okay. So it was always within conversations or in work or whatever. And then a coworker of mine who has a very strong personality five and a half years ago said, Eric, this week you're going to sign up for an open mic. She lives in Florida still. You're going to call me. You're going to tell me how it goes. Uh-huh. And this woman, Viva, you don't say no to Viva. Okay. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did and that allowed me not to worry as much 
about what I think others might think of yeah. me. Because at this point, you know, we're saying, you know, um, we've got gray hair, we're yeah. older. Who, who really cares right. at this point right. what others might think of us? Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a great uh, groundwork for me to start okay. with. Because one of the questions that I inevitably ask is, was did were the were there comedic elements to your life growing up? And it sounds like, you know, from the get-go, from yes. first grade, it was. Correct, yeah. My mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, uh-huh. was very, very funny. Hmm. And she never meant to be funny. She owned a, a women's clothing store uh-huh. in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And she would just comment, I, and growing up when I was very young, like preschool, kindergarten age, I would spend a lot of time at the store. And she would just comment on some of the customers and they were so, it was so cutting and so funny, but she didn't mean to be funny. Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of where uh-huh. I think I get my humor. Yeah. Just looking at the world and commenting and it being, yeah. you know, funny or offbeat, I think. Yeah. Did you ever watch comedy or absorb it in that way? Or was it just, it's part of your, your family and it's just kind of so, in you? So I, I think, I mean, what I'm hearing, and this might not be what you're suggesting, I'm Jewish. Okay. If you can't tell by the voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, and for Jewish people, it's, there are two things that are in our DNA. Um, the Holocaust is part of our past and um, humor. There we go. Uh, not even 10 minutes <laughs> in and here we, we got go. The Holocaust. Bringing the heavy topics. Exactly. So I think it's just in our DNA. Yeah. I mean, you look around and we... I, and I do think, like, there's, not to get in deep, but so much bad has happened to sure. Jewish people that we just find the funny. Yeah. And I think it's just been passed down generations. So it's always been part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I love to joke about my mother and my father. I, I always did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's always been <laughs> part of my personality. So now you have a bigger platform to Correct. do that. Correct. And, and now people are forced <laughs> to listen to me. <laughs> Exactly. Did, did you have any? Um, I know Viva 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 Correct. was pivotal in like pushing you. Did you ever have any points throughout your life where you're like, man, I I'd like to be able to do do comedy on on a stage, and then you just you know because of your like internal mm-hmm. uh, self judgment, you were like, no, I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna pass this chance, especially since you were in. You know, I, d- I don't know a whole lot about the Philadelphia comedy mm-hmm. scene. Obviously, n- New York City is sure. big, big comedy scene. Um, do you have any any moments like that in your life where you you know you distinctly remember passing up a chance, or or maybe not passing up a chance, but more like actively saying no, not not going to do it. The the latter. So very often it was the case that I would say no. I just I, mm-hmm. I'm not ready. I'm not going to do mm-hmm. it. But so many times I would watch on television the Tonight Show, Joan Rivers, yeah. Johnny Carson, um, going to see people in person and thinking, wow, I I mm. think I could do that, or one day I would love to be there. Huh. But again, the anxiety and the yeah. self doubt just stopped me from ever pursuing it until again five and a half years ago yeah but definitely many times okay and you uh we i don't think we've said this tell me what you're a doctor of okay so (laughs) in my head i'm thinking for those of for those people who know me it sounds like such bullshit here (laughs) 
I have a doctorate in child clinical psychology. Okay. So I'm a clinical psychologist <laughs> who can't deal with his own issues. <laughs> yeah, it was always easier. Bringing endorsement. Correct. It's always easier to work with someone else yeah. on their issues and their yeah. problems, their difficulties. Sure. And then just, uh, and then, you know, again, bring in humor and make fun. And that kind of met my need for stand-up in the moment. Yeah. But there was always a dream that... Uh, but that is, so to answer your question in a long-winded way, yeah. a, a doctorate in child clinical psychology. Okay. That, right. And I, I work in a somewhat related field, psychological test publishing. Okay. And I can expand. I just very quickly, <laughs> yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. That's um, like me trying to explain my career. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, um, I head up a group that's tasked with creating content for tests that we would, uh, lay people yeah. would call intelligence tests academic achievement that okay. are used around the, the country, if not the world. Mm -hmm. So I head up a, a team of development. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's not as impressive as it sounds. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's people basing their, you know, their, uh, uh, not worth, but their status, their, they're being assessed sure. uh, on this. So it is kind of heavy work because you don't, it is. you know, you don't want to say, well, can you add one plus two? And, and if they can't, then it's like, oh, you're dumb. Exactly. I mean, the so. tests are used mainly for determining if a person has a disability. Mm -hmm. And then from preschool through grade 12, it's for special education eligibility. Okay. Um, okay. So what was it that got you from the, the fun climate of the Northeast to come to Austin? So, okay, good question. My wife is from Houston. Ah. And we always thought that we would move to Austin when we retired. Okay. But then my parents did what every older Jew does. They moved to Florida. <laughs> and my brother had already gone to Florida. <laughs> so between the cold, my family having moved, yeah. high property taxes, which people here think they're high, but in New Jersey they were much, much higher. Yeah. We thought, let's, let's see if it can work. And not to sound hokey, but the universe was just on our side mm. because... The real estate market was horrible. We put our house on the market, uh, listed it very, at a very high price, given the market, mm -hmm. sold it in three days, had to move into an apartment, came to Austin during the spring break of that year, 2011, went for one interview. My wife and I both got jobs. My gosh. Moved here and uh, found a house. Wow. So it was, I mean, I don't yeah. know if it's meant to be, but it was a very easy transition, easy move. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, we wanted to get away from the, the cold and the high property taxes. Mm -hmm. And we thought it would be a fun city. Yeah. And it is. Has it been? It has. <laughs> okay. It has. Definitely. Yeah, you, uh, you moved about the time that I started to discover a lot of the Austin comedy scene. Okay. So, Very nice. Uh, I guess we could say our, our origin stories are, are somewhat similar as sure. far as, you know, discovering Austin. Definitely. Did your, um, did your perception of... Um, you being ready or passing up the opportunities to do stand-up change because you moved from one like mega, mega city area environment to, I mean, arguably one could still say that Austin was smaller, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, 10 years, sure. 11 years ago. Definitely. And I would say that I, I did not know the Philadelphia comedy scene. Okay. When I was in graduate school, I went to some comedy clubs in New York City because mm -hmm. I lived up there. But I did not know the Philadelphia comedy scene. So when I came here, it was more about escaping the Northeast 
attitude as I see it. I don't uh -huh. know that it's, you know, universal. Yeah. Just the idea that, you know, men act a certain way, women act mm. a certain way. It's macho, no, you know, no blurred lines. Yeah. And, um, and here it was just, it just seemed more freeing. You, you could be who you want to be. Yeah. Um, I, I remember a friend telling me that in New Jersey, when you ask the question, what do you do? It's what's your job? And here in Austin, I found that when you ask the question, what do you do? It's like, oh, I run, I hike, I do uh. comedy. So it's a very different way of living out here, I yeah. think. And I think it still is, in a better way for me. Yeah. And did you have the time to start checking out the, the comedy scene at all? I didn't. Okay. No, I, I was still so paralyzed. All that, mm. I, mean, I don't know if I would call it trauma, but yeah. all of that baggage I carried with me from growing up and being in the Northeast, it took me a while yeah. to... Um, find it. And then I started going to open mics with the idea that at some point I would try it. But I wanted so you to get went comfortable. To watch. I went to watch. The biggest self torture there is. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not the type of person who can walk into a party and feel comfortable. I need to get uh, there yeah. early. And I think that's a metaphor yes. for my life. I need yeah. to get to places early. Yeah. So I needed to go to open mics and kind of see what it was like, mm -hmm. survey the landscape. And then if, maybe I did that for about a year or two. A year? Correct. So what was your brain thinking and processing all that time that you were watching? <laughs> what? I mean, to me, an open mic, and this is not disparaging. This is, sure. just, this is the reality of what an open mic is, is you have a few people that are, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're solidly getting booked all the time. Sure. They just need to, they're working on a little thing. So you, you get the gem every once in a while, Definitely. but it's mostly, you know, kids trying it out and all they do is sex, drugs, oh, exactly. uh, sex, drugs. That's it. That's exactly. all the, their dick. Whatever. That's, that's it. all it is. Correct. So how is Eric, who is, you know, established in career, mm -hmm. he's going to these open mics because he's been fighting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not going to, to perform. How is he processing I this information? I think in two ways. It's sort of dichotomous for me. One is, wow, there are some really great people and I, there's no way I can do this. Mm. And then the other is like, man, this is a shit show. <laughs> I could only, there's only one way up, one way for me and it's up. Um, so yeah, it was both. Yeah. Yeah. And there were, there were a few gems and, yeah. um, there were a few people with whom I connected that kind of allowed me to feel ah. more like, okay, I could do this and I should be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. But still, mm -hmm. it wasn't until Viva kicked you in the ass Correct. and said, so how did that conversation really go? So she and I had worked together from 2013 until, uh, I don't know, maybe 2017. And then she left. She lives in Florida. I, I stayed with the company. We, we had traveled together and we got along very well. There's a lot of synergy. So she uh -huh. saw... I, I, it sounds obnoxious. She saw that I was—I had some funny in me. Yeah. And um, I had told her what my dream was to do stand-up comedy. Huh. And she, again, she's not a person who takes no for an answer. Yeah. So she kept telling me, and I, okay, I don't—I don't have time this week. I don't have time this month. I don't have time this year. And then eventually, she said what I said—that yeah. um, you're going to sign up this week and you're going to tell me how it went. And I still talk to her to this day yeah. and credit her <laughs> with it forcing me to do it. <laughs> 
Yeah. So how, which open mic did you choose to do first? It was at Cold Town Theater when they were still at airport, uh, at the airport boulevard location. That's a nice open mic. It was. And I still, I can still picture it. Uh Um, I, it was, I was, I think like maybe last on the list and there were only a few people left. Uh I think Amber Bixby was the host maybe at the time. That sounds about right. And I just, I had four, four of my friends showed up I, and, and they one videoed <laughs> it for me and I had practiced, I had, I, I had done stand up, but not in that form. So what I mean is at my, at my grandmother's funeral, I did the eulogy <laughs> and I think she would have been proud <laughs> uh, at my father's uh, 80th birthday. Uh-huh. I did uh, a rose to my father. So I, as, and, and my, a friend of mine had gotten married and I became an ordained minister to do the wedding. <laughs> And they allowed me to, to be funny. So uh-huh. I had done stuff that was maybe yeah. parallel to stand-up. But it, I felt like it went so well. And I, and I was so happy. Because I had practiced some of yeah. these bits over and over uh, for several years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was at Cold Town Theater back yeah. in uh, 2018 okay. in, in the springtime. Okay, so just over five years. Correct. And how did you feel after you were done? You, you certainly got praise from your friends, mm-hmm. as friends ought to do. Sure, exactly. Uh, but yeah, what, what, did you, uh, what did you do with the information of having finally done it? I, that was the impetus to want to do more mm. and to get better and to write more. Yeah. It, it was the validation I needed. Hmm. That, you know, again, it doesn't matter what you think others are thinking of you. Yeah. Because it's probably not even accurate and who cares. But also the validation that you got the laughs. And that's enough reinforcement that, okay, I, I'm going to do this over and yeah. over yeah. again. And in, in, hmm, in a world of very young comics mm-hmm. in the Austin scene, did you ever think about, well, I'm so different from mm-hmm. my peers. How, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like, oh, I'm the odd person out? Or... This is actually an advantage because I'm sure. different. I would say both. I can still picture being in that o- the first area that you entered at Cold Town because I had done uh-huh. that open mic many times. I still remember one night sitting there texting a friend, and my text said something like, "I'm sitting amongst the island of misfit toys, <laughs> and they won't even talk to me." <laughs> <laughs> Because yes, I'm one of the old, one of the few. I was, and I think I still am, one yeah. of the few older people. I'm 53 at this uh-huh. point. So, and I still uh, sometimes feel that way when I go to open mics and I see a lot of young, yeah. usually, usually young guys. My the thought, the narrative in my head is, oh my god, what am I doing mm. here, right? But then I'll go up, and even if I don't hit it, even if I do bob, I usually end up thinking, man, this is so worth it, and who cares? How old I am, and I think that maybe Chris Tan said this, and um, oh gosh, there was a uh, Leslie Jones was recently interviewed, uh, mm-hmm. or at least I recently heard it on NPR, yeah. and she was saying she got turned down at first when she was very young. The and I think it was maybe one of the Wayans brothers. The advice was you have to go live first, mm. and I think and I think you did talk about this with Chris Tan. If you don't have life experiences, yes. all you're going to talk about uh, is sex and drugs. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's really been an advantage for me. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so you, you've, you've been able to bypass all the, you know, the typical one-year topics mm-hmm. and uh, figure out 
how to use your life experiences mm-hmm. to be funny. How how did you make the transition from being just funny in the natural context of conversations, you know, even even for your, your grandmother's funeral, mm-hmm. the roast of your father, sure. et cetera, to writing to perform stand-up? That's a great question. I think it's it's difficult for me because it is very different being yeah. spontaneously funny in the moment versus writing a bit. I think what I what I've learned to do is write down those ideas that I'm talking about in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like today, I, and I won't remember the topic, but my wife and I were talking about something while walking uh, the dog. And I just sent myself a text because I thought that can possibly turn into a bit. Ah. So again, like joking with my parents about living in a, a, an over 55 active uh, community in Florida, uh-huh. that's something we've always talked about. And then I just expanded it into a bit that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But yeah, yeah just taking conversations and thinking, how can I turn this into something longer? Mm-hmm. What are your, your hopes for being a stand-up comics? I mean, do you want to leave your, your, your career and be a, a Turing comic? Or do you have more, you know, we're old enough that we're like, yeah, we, we got to pay the mortgage. Sure, exactly. <laughs> Which is a foreign concept for some of the young comics. Yes. Mortgage, yeah. Well, for them, we are privileged to exactly. have a mortgage. And I, exactly. I get that. I definitely feel... Feel yeah, that. I do too. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Someone recently asked me what my end game is. And mm-hmm. with at the risk of my coworkers hearing this, I'll say I definitely want to stay at my job. <laughs> no, not looking to leave anytime soon. But I would love to... Uh, hold, so I, I volunteer as an usher at the Paramount. And when oh, I nice. see... And, and you work the shows, you get to see the shows. Yeah. And the most recent one was Anthony Jeselnik, oh, whom gosh. I love. yeah. And when the openers are, I would never compare myself to Anthony or people at his of his stature. Yeah. But when I see the people opening who are really good, I think to myself, I could do that. Mm. I should be doing that. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, Rodney Dangerfield's got yeah. famous when he was older. I would love to be discovered. Yeah. But at this point, I like what I'm doing, and if I can get to be an opener for someone and possibly. Uh, be the headliner, that would be awesome. Yeah. I don't know that I'm at a point in my life that I want to be traveling so much. Uh, so, I mean, I, I know that limits me. Yeah. That, that will limit me. Yeah. But. So, we, we, we all lived through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what comedy was like for you before the March of 2020 as far as getting booked, starting to get some momentum. Mm-hmm. How often were you going to 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 open mics. Okay, so before the pandemic and after, two yeah. very different scenes. Um, when I entered the scene, again, 2018, I felt like, again, I was entering the island of misfit toys mm-hmm. in that it was a, we're all kind of odd. I mean, yeah. we're all quirky, which is what makes us funny. Um, I, I did not fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in sure. anywhere. So I would go to the open mics, People who I'd see all the time and they would see me, I'd say hi to them. Some of them would say hi back. Some of them would turn their body physically wow. away from me. And I just, again, it, in my head, it was like, okay, screw these people. I don't, sure. I'm too old to, yeah. to worry about what they think. But um, I didn't really get booked uh, at all. Mm. I did a lot of open mics, 
Uh, Shannon and Amy Mugridge, they were great. I, I'd still um, yeah. owe them a lot because they, they booked me. They recognize the Island of Misfit toy types. Yes, definitely. And they know when there's like a hidden diamond under... I, I think so, yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah, they were awesome. And yeah. also Shannon and... Uh, I don't know about Amy, but Shannon is older. So yeah. we kind of connected that way. Yeah. And I really appreciated them getting me on shows. And then there were a few others, but not much. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit, and I really retreated. I wasn't... I'm not the type to do Zoom sure. comedy. I don't like Zoom meetings, so that didn't work for me. And then when I started up again after the vaccinations came out... It was, a, it was a scene that I didn't recognize yeah. necessarily. A lot of young people, a lot of competition. And, and I found that I just I connected even less with the people. Mm-hmm. So it was more me just going to open mics and just trying to figure out how do I get booked? Because I can't keep going to these open mics and hoping yeah. someone will come up to me. I mean, a few people did, like Andre Ricks did one night, and that was awesome. Um, but yeah, it was just, and I still see the scene as being very different. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, it, it, a lot of different styles, and some of it is, you know, maybe doesn't align with me. Some yeah. do, some do, but very different though. But I'm getting booked on more shows, and that's been the case for the last maybe two years or so. And it does take a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I thought that I would, can just sit back and let, and people would mm-hmm. come to me, but. That's clearly not no. how it works for most of us. <laughs> yeah, unless you're, you know, wonder, exactly. wonder kid. You uh, know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you, not, I don't know. I, I think I have a running streak now. Of, I mention him every other podcast episode, but a Casey Rocket. I mean, oh, that's sure. a wonder kid. Exactly. And there's just magic. And yeah, yeah everybody's going to want to book him. Exactly. Because yeah. he's just so unique mm-hmm. and, you know. Totally so agree. Good. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So you are, you you then decided that you were going to put on your own show. How did that happen? So uh, I've always identified as a funny Jewish guy, mm. right? From the Northeast. So yeah. I feel like that gives me more <laughs> credibility. I've always wanted, so I've gone to, you go to the shows, there are a lot of them out there. And um, again, from work experience you have to create something that's different yeah a little bit different and something that people are going to want to go to see so i had wanted to do a jewish type show with the emphasis on ish jewish <laughs> because let's face it there aren't many i mean we're jewish austin comedians. texas exactly yeah, yeah. exactly so i wanted to do that i also thought that there are so many jewish organizations in the city that in order to build an audience which mm. i'm thinking I'm looking at this from a business perspective. Sure. You want to build, you're building a business, really. So I want, I, I thought, let's, let me try and create a show that will appeal to the Jewish groups, but also the non-Jewish groups. And I had tried um, to start it, and then um, COVID, the, the Delta variant hit. This was, okay. I don't remember, January of... 21? 21, possibly. So some of the Jewish groups who were on board didn't, uh, didn't feel comfortable. And I mm. totally understood. So that kind of got scrapped. And then maybe it was a year later. So it was the fall of 2022. I was on a show at Wonderlust. Uh, Lauren Jameson, who's mm-hmm. Jewish, booked me. And I met Max Isaacson. Ah. He and I, can, I think, and I think he would agree, he and I connected immediately. Yeah. And I told him about my idea. And he was totally on board. 
So we got to work and we started our show February of 2023 of this year. Ah, okay. And we've we've pivoted to um, we've gotten rid of the whole Jewish. So it's chosen comedy, and yeah. people who are Jewish will know the chosen people, Mensch Productions. But it, it's it's really a, a show for everyone. Okay. We still try and get Jewish groups there because we want an audience. We mm-hmm. want to. We don't want to just hope people are going to show up. Um, but it's really a show for everyone. So that's interesting. Um, you want to get Jewish groups mm-hmm. in. So does that influence how you book the show and the people you bring on? Because I would have never had a clue that that's what you were doing. I appreciate when that. When I went to the show last, uh, that was September's September. uh, show, I'm like, this is just a solid, really good showcase with okay. a lot of, you know, different voices. Mm-hmm. So does the fact that you know that you're, and maybe this is part of your model has changed mm-hmm. since, you know, the first time you, you ran the show, trying to get Jewish groups, interest groups specifically sure. to your, your show as, as audience members. So it doesn't influence whom okay. we book. And in fact, Max and I have the motto that we just want to book people who are really good. Mm. And Max and I are Jewish and we can throw out some Jewish stuff yeah. and the Jewish people like they'll get it. Yeah. But um, no, we just want to book people who are really good. Yeah. I mean, if you look across the shows every month, you'll see a lot of the same people. It doesn't mean they're not good, mm-hmm. but we don't want to follow that model necessarily. Um, we want to put people on who are just solid performers. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I appreciate you saying that you didn't realize because yeah. it's not a Jewish yeah. show. It's just Max and I are. And it, it, it's, it's, it's moved away. Mm-hmm. We, we are sponsored. I, I, again, building a business, I thought we both put in the work and yeah. we, we now have a sponsor for the last month or two, Jew Boy Burgers. Yeah. Mo Piddle is Which our is big sponsor. Because it's huge. I've never been, but oh, every time I hear someone talking about yeah. those burgers, they're like, they're the best. There's Jew Boy Burgers, Jew Boy Sliders. Here's a plug oh for him. Jew, uh, Jew Boy Subs. Sponsored by Comedy Land. Sponsored by. Come exactly. On. <laughs> and at our show in September, uh, Mo, the owner, um, had us give out coupons yeah. for free potato latkes. Yeah. And we're going to integrate some of his business in our shows going mm-hmm. forward. That's cool. It I is. Mean, that's a great progression. I think so too. It's fun. And here's where we're going to get into some really fun discussion. Okay. You're at Sunset Strip, Correct. which is owned by Red Band, co-owned by Red Band. Yes. Which is, you know, Red Band is pivotal to to Joe Rogan exactly. and Mothership and that whole podcast thing. Mm-hmm. Um, did how did you get connected to have your show at Sunset Strip? So we were at, we did our first two shows at a different venue Mm -hmm. and it was an outdoor venue and they were great to us. Um, The crowd didn't buy alcohol and it it didn't, it didn't work out Mm. and and we were okay with it. We we parted on very amicable terms. Um, So we were forced into find either shutting the show down or finding a new venue. And Max is friends with someone who works or worked at Sunset. So he got us the... um, the meeting or the yeah. entree into it. And we met with Anthony Hashem, one of the other owners, mm-hmm. pitched the idea. And he said he would give us, uh, let it, give us one shot to ah. see how it went. And um, again, building a business, we came up with an idea on how to get people. Yeah. And Valerie, on a Tuesday night, this was um, uh, May, I guess it was, 
on a Tuesday night, we sold 107 tickets. Oh my God. So Sunset yeah. was like, okay, come yeah, back. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they have, they have that two drink minimum. Exactly. That's, you know, that's a lot of alcohol sales. It is. Yeah. It is. So yeah. So that's, uh, we were, yeah, we, we had an, a max had an entree into that venue and they've been great to us and it's worked out really well because one of our, um, marketing bits is that you know some of the best comedians in town plus a special celebrity guest or two yeah so on every show we've managed to have someone who's in town one of whom was matt Rice, yeah which was amazing <laughs> that was crazy it was crazy <laughs> it's the hottest ticket oh my you know, god in the country <laughs> and we even from that we even had some word of mouth advertising a person posted on instagram that she and her husband went out for uh just a date night they went uh-huh. to a small comedies club watched a show and she this woman wrote that they for a for 15 dollars per ticket they got a three or four hundred dollar per ticket comedian oh so it was it was wow. amazing yeah we were very lucky yeah nice definitely nice yeah, because you're literally a block away from Correct. the club where all the big name exactly. comics are, you know, exactly. dropping in, scheduled. Yeah. D- did you know in advance that he was going to show up? So, <clears throat> no. No, wow. most of it happens maybe a day or two before. Yeah. But this was about a half hour before the show. Wow. And what was great is if I get the story correct, and if I don't, I apologize. <laughs> um, a friend of his either had been to our show or knew of it or Ooh. knew of Sunset. Yeah. But I think it was the show. And, and messaged um, one of the other, the third owner, uh-huh. asking, could he come over and do 15 minutes? Like, can you come over? Of course yeah. you can. <laughs> Tell us when. <laughs> and it was amazing because Mo Piddle... Um, Again, the owner of Jewboy Burgers, he was there that night. Oh. So he got to tell his daughters, who were very jealous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that he got to see Matt Rife <laughs> in person. That's hilarious. So it was fun. Yeah. Definitely. So Chosen Comedy's got a good home there. It at, does. At Sunset Strip. We're very happy. Yeah. There. That's very nice. Uh, that I I like that venue. I do, I don't too. like the stairs up. Okay. But I, you know. That's I'll, tough. I'll work on that, but. It's definitely yeah, not it's... ADA compliant, which is an issue for some. <laughs> for some. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of the downtown area is not. It's not, exactly. It's not very old person friendly. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> the parking's free Tuesday night, yes. but you have to schlep up the stairs. <laughs> right. But they do have handrails, so that, True. You know, that helps. If you leave at 6, you'll get to the show by 7.30. <laughs> that, and I mean it going up the steps. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's the other compliment that I want to pay you What's is that? thank you for the 7.30 start time. Oh, definitely. Because that, you know, puts a, a limit on what I personally can see. Again, sure. this is the old person talking, not the person who can stay up till 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm. But having a 7.30, I remember when I went to that show, I did have to leave at 9. Okay. But I was <clears> back <throat> here because on a Tuesday night, you know, at night, there's nobody driving. Sure. Here. I was able to be back home by 9.30. Mm-hmm. And I think I only missed maybe one, maybe two, two performers oh, good. that okay. night. So, and the way that it's structured, unless I'm wrong, because mm-hmm. I left early, it's not a headliner. Correct. It's all pretty much equal sets uh, across all of the comics. So I, I didn't feel like, oh God, I'm really missing out. You know, exactly. It's like, oh, I'll come back to another show and I'll see. You know, the, they might be booked 
at the early part of correct of the show. Yeah, we're very conscious. We're very conscious of the order. Mm-hmm. You know, energy level type of yeah. comedy. Some people will get a guest spot. Some will get uh, maybe eight to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone will get fifteen if it's Matt. Um, but we're also very conscious of. You know, again, thinking like it's building a business, the market demands start at 7.30. Tuesday night downtown is not that crazy on 6th Street. Yeah. Parking is free after 6. So a lot of factors went into our mm-hmm. decision to have the show when we have it and where we have it. Yeah. Definitely. Have you had any calls to either do the show more often or take it to other venues? Uh, yes, oh. but we're we're in a we're great loyal. spot. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're good to us. We're good to yeah. them. It's a great relationship. And once a month is it's not plenty. insane. <laughs> because, you. again, with the idea that we want to put on a great show, yeah. just real good quality, I don't feel the need to increase the yeah. cadence there. Yeah. It works. Okay. I'm trying to think of where to go from here. Okay. Uh so you're happy with what you have. Do mm-hmm. you see yourself booking, doing another, producing another show? I don't. Okay. Again, because with a full-time job, sure. I do have a wife and my daughter. I have a daughter who's in college, but um, there are obli- you know, obligations there sure. as well. I just, it's too much. Yeah. Also, again, I feel like if I want to do the show well, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. So the minute the show's over, all, we're already starting to think, like, who are we going to book for the next show? Mm-hmm. And how, uh, what other markets are we going to try and penetrate? Right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, college students. or, or what, and, and how are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and our relationship with the sponsor, Jew Boy Burgers. Yeah. So I feel like if I want to do something well, for me... It's more about quality than quantity. Sure. So one show, one really good show is 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 good. Yeah. And then getting booked on other shows, um, if I can and when I do, that that's also part yeah. of it. Have you noticed any difference in you getting booked more because you're now putting on this this great show? I don't. I don't think so. Oh well, um, people should who are booked on your show should be noticing that I, you're opening the show. I've reached. <laughs> <laughs> I've reached out to people uh-huh. and they've put me on, but I don't, I don't, and I've had some people spontaneously reach out to me, so I don't know yeah. if I should say no, Yeah. but I haven't blown up, let's say. <laughs> I don't have Seth yeah. Meyers calling me, asking me to be on his show. So I think, I think the answer is probably yes. Yeah. I mean, I think I am more noticed now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is, given that you, you, you're kind of balancing two lives mm-hmm. uh, as professional person and comic uh, by night. What uh, What's your favorite thing about what stand-up does for you? Oh, gosh. The, the favorite thing that it does for me. It allows... I mean, it just meets so many of my needs mm-hmm. for attention, <laughs> for getting people to laugh. Um, also, this need to feel important. I mean, I'm mm. not going to deny that yeah. I definitely have that and then um, also I feel like it's a way for me to connect with other people yeah uh, as an example the September show you were at I had um, 12 of my coworkers. the company I work yeah. for is in the Chicagoland area so there was there were company meetings in Austin and everyone not everyone uh, the CEO the CFO the HR oh director gosh. they were all there 
and I and I just you referencing yes, <laughs> I'm like that's a lot of pressure. I wouldn't want my coworkers to see. And I thrive on that. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so it, it just um, it it also, and I think what I'm getting at, it kind of equalizes the playing field for mm-hmm. me. Because I remember the CEO had said a month or two prior when we were talking about this, he said, you know, Eric, you just be you. So it just kind of equalizes things. Uh-huh. And I, when I'm on the stage, I don't feel like I'm up or above. We're, we're all on the same plane yeah. now. Huh. And I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the least favorite thing that stand-up does for you? Oh, gosh. Having to be around people who, <laughs> some of whom, uh, let's just face it, are just not all that nice Mm. and i'm not saying it's a lot of people yeah but that gets to me i'm still at the point where i i do think about what others are thinking or saying sure and and that so there could be 99 people who are just so nice and that one One. person i just focus on them yeah and i shouldn't let's name them eric let's get okay (laughs) let's let's write the name i make make sure not to ever learn their names That's smart. Or, That's or smart. better yet, now that I'm running the show, I write their names down oh. with a no next to it. <laughs> and, and really, yep. and yep. I'm not trying to sound mean, but yep. my my attitude is uh, just. I mean, look, I'm not taking a spot from you. You're not taking my spot. There yeah. could be two spots. Let's just all be um, helpful. Let's just yeah. all be cooperative. Or collaborative, rather. Yeah. Let's just be nice. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I mean. These are kids. Exactly. One day. One day. They'll, One day when they have gray hair like us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, we're going to take a little bit of an intermission. It's not sponsored by Jewboy, but oh, it could boy. be. It could be. Um, I, my, my web guru, Richard, he gave me this gift. You probably are familiar with this game, Where Should We Begin? It's written uh, by Esther, Esther Perel. I've heard, heard of it, yeah. yes. And so what we're going to do is these are open-ended questions. Point to a card. Okay. You're pointing to this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this one to you after you read this one to me and I answer it. Okay, cool. The part of my parents I'm most afraid of becoming is... Oh, I'm so glad I didn't oh, pick geez. this. <laughs> Good thing she's deaf because she can't hear me. Okay. <laughs> um... I think it's mean. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to become mean because sure. I see it and I try to call her out on it mm-hmm. when she does it because she doesn't realize it. But of course, when you're 85 years old, sure. it's an ingrained behavior. It's just how you naturally are. Exactly. Um, but I'm hoping that I'm not. But I think if I asked my son how I was doing on that, he'd be like, oh, you're not doing so good. Well, today I would say you're doing fine. Thank you. Well, you're, yeah. you know, you're a stranger. You're not family. There so, we go. You know, that helps. I, I practice. <laughs> All right. Eric, yours is, oh my, oh my gosh. Well, uh, you're not going to love this one all that much either. <laughs> Eric, the person I fear losing the most is your question. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's deep. That is deep. Are you going to make me cry? I, I hope not. Wow. We could pick another card because that is pretty heavy. That is. That I is mean, I, I would... You can answer that one <laughs> instead. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, the, the one that immediately comes to mind would be my daughter. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll make me cry if exactly. I even think about that concept. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Especially because only child... She's my only child. Yeah. Correct. Like, there's no way you could replicate exactly you know all of the circumstances that yeah. made them 
amazing human beings. Correct. Exactly. So yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, we're simpatico. Okay, great. <laughs> this right. was fun. Well, yeah, it was a blast. Okay. <laughs> Uplifting. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I have a different question that okay. I've been asking my comics and this one is, is a lot more fun. Okay. So I want you to think about whatever your organization system is for your jokes. Mm-hmm. And I want you to think about the title, and I want you to tell me the title, a title only, of your f- current favorite joke. Oh, my current favorite joke. And I just huh. want the title. Just the and title. And then I'm, I'm going to do a follow-up question. Okay. Um, Bernie Madoff's prison sentence. Okay. So the title of your current favorite joke yes. is Bernie Madoff's prison sentence. Uh-huh. Okay. Why is it your favorite joke right now? It's about my father. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And my father just turned 94. In, wow. in, and he's in amazing health. Oh, my gosh. So I wrote a bit about how he turned 94. And uh, I gave him a call on his birthday, which most people don't do anymore. They, they send Facebook greetings. Sure. So there's a bit about that. And then... I say how it's always risky for me to call my father because he tells me stories that I've heard all growing up, but uh-huh. he doesn't care. He just keeps telling the stories. And I say, you know, his stories last longer than Bernie Madoff's prison oh. sentence. <laughs> so, okay, you weren't supposed to tell me, like, the oh, details of the joke, but I want to know what... So it's about your father. Correct. So that's special to you. Yes. That it is about your father. But what makes it so such a favorite for you right now? I think because I don't know that he would find it funny. <laughs> so you get joy out of it when I do. the subject matter might exactly. not. Exactly. And that's really, that's good. and that's yeah. been the, the theme throughout my life, just poking fun at my parents to yeah. a point where, to see how far I could go okay. before they got All angry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you would get along with my dad, who's okay. very much a similar person. Interesting. Okay. He's long gone. So you oh, won't. Sure. So it's, you know, there. There we go. We yeah. answered that question. Uh, yeah. No, I, yeah, and I like to poke fun at her, but sure. she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've started to, to dabble in getting back in, okay. in, into comedy, and she is definitely the subject. It, 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 for most of us, I think <laughs> yeah. that's probably the case. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Is there anything we haven't talked about? Oh, actually, you mentioned uh, your, your dad being like really... Uh, you know, healthy for, mm-hmm. for his age uh, and traveling. And you just came back from an incredible trip. Correct. And you, if I remember the post correctly, you uh, hiked 19 miles yes. in the Grand Canyon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, crazy good. Yeah, crazy fun. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. I, it's so funny. I just had a coworker come back okay. from a hike down. Yes. Down and then back up. Yeah. Oh, my exactly. God. I wonder if you were in the same groups because I think the timing is like... Oh. Uh, I went with a group of friends. There were four of us. Yeah. So it wasn't a like, it wasn't, part of a... No, no. Okay. It was just the four of us. All right. Yes. Wow. And, and that kind of gets to living life. So in addition to work and comedy, sure. I, I uh, run with a group, an organized group at 5.30 a.m. two times a week. Uh, uh, more days, but uh, week two weekdays. Yeah. Um, you know, go hiking, going trips, whatever. So yeah, th- that's just. Yeah. So so when I'm not doing comedy, there's there are a lot of other things. But yeah, yeah I hiked down to the from the south rim down to the bottom. It's a, a six thousand foot drop. 
or, or ascent, uh-huh. and then um, hiked up to the South Rim up another trail. Wow. Yeah, it was hard, but it was amazing. Yeah. Definitely. One of the things that my coworker mentioned is you wouldn't expect it, but there's so many different, um, not, I don't know, if maybe fauna is the right, but like mm-hmm. so many different like little sub-climates. Exactly. That... You know, she was really surprised. It is amazing. When we started, it was dark. It was 45 degrees. And when we got to the basin, where it's typically hotter, it was 87 degrees. And then on the way back up to the south room again, it was uh, maybe in the 70s. Different, again, yeah, like you said, different fauna, different rock formations, Mm -hmm. different colors. It's pretty amazing. I I mean, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And did you have funny moments? Uh, you had to have. Oh, definitely. I mean, you definitely, definitely. had to have, have funny moments that yeah. your, your brain is percolating and thinking exactly. about, how am I going to bring this to the stage? I do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the people you see. I mean, just, again, yeah. just ob- observing sure. what's going on around you. Yeah. Definitely. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, actually one question about your, your comedy style, mm-hmm. you've mentioned it's observational Correct. and that's certainly how I would describe, uh, your, your comedy as mm-hmm. well. But since you got a later start of being on a stage as a stand-up performer, but it was all founded on you being like funny in person mm-hmm. as, you know, growing up, whatever, did you ever think oh, I should try to be this other comic. should try to do this other style. Like, just to throw out a name. Because you happened to mention going to see Anthony Jesselman. Sure. He is so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other comics that have unique styles. Did you ever, like, think about, oh, I'm going to try to perform the way this comic mm-hmm. performs? Oh, definitely. So, so, really? uh, so yes and no. So, first of all, I'm not, I know that I should take more... I took one improv class. I'm just not... Mm-hmm. I kind of, I don't know, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't act, I can't do that. So huh. I, I don't take on the persona of someone else because it's just not me. Sure. I th- so I think when you see me on stage, that's me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I grew up loving Joan Rivers. Ah. Oh, I've watched probably all of her televised clips many, many times. Yeah. So there are times when I'll like maybe move in a certain way or use an adjective or a conjunction or something like and I'll think to myself, I think I got that from Joan Rivers. Ah, so I think, okay. yes, to some degree. Yeah. I would never steal material, sure. but there are times when, again, like the inflection or the, a, a word that I'm using, I really do think yeah. that um, I'm, I'm drawing from her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my grandmother was very much like Joan Rivers. So maybe I'm drawing from maybe my grandmother. So, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's interesting, though. Hmm. Okay. Uh, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? Uh, that I'm a nice person <laughs> and, and, and that um, when my defense mechanism is just to close myself off. Mm. So if you see me and I'm not friendly, yeah. seemingly not friendly, more often than not, it's that I just don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and that's how I'm dealing with it. Yeah. So it's, I'm very yeah. similar. You are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I will just go hide in a corner. Yeah, same. And while others might turn it around and be very gregarious, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the person who others might think, oh man, what's his problem? Yeah. You know, he thinks he's better. I don't actually. That's why I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's it, I think. We should have name tags. I'm an introvert. Sure. It's okay. Please come, come to me. Exactly. I won't bite. That's it. Unless <laughs> you want of me you. to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, 
If uh, let me see if I have anything else I want to draw this out. Um, okay. Because I think we're gonna miss. Uh, this episode is going to come out after your October chosen comedy, okay. but it'll be in advance of your... Are you going to have a November? We are. We're, we're going to have October and November, definitely. Okay. All right. um, and probably just once... The last Tuesday of every month. It'll okay. probably just continue. Okay. Because I'm trying to think. The last Tuesday of November. That'll is, be outside of Thanksgiving week. It so is. Be, it's the yeah. week after. Yeah. And then December, I believe, is the 26th. Okay. So it would be right after, the day after Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And we've got some good uh, known people. Ooh. <laughs> well, you know, for me, known people is like, okay, it's, you know, a lot of people. Well, I mean, um, without giving away names, because okay. anything could happen, right? They sure. could cancel. Sure. But um, we have two people who uh, were staff writers on sitcoms. Oh, nice. So, nice. yeah, and if, if it, uh, you know, all comes to fruition, yeah. it'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Definitely. All right. Are you ready for your closing question? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One word to describe your future. Promising. Nice. That's the first word that came to my mind. What does that mean for you? There's what are you like envisioning when you... There, there's so many possibilities out yeah. there and so many good things that could happen if you put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much promise. Yeah. And that could apply for either jobs that you oh, have. Oh, life yeah. in general, not just comedy. Life in general, yeah. Just life in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Right. Cool. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham! Presents. Eric Snader. Eric, tell us where we can find you on social media and plug those projects. Okay, so, and I'm not a big social media. <laughs> I'm not so sad. <laughs> okay. So I'm on Facebook. Just look up Eric Snader, S-N-A-D-E-R. Instagram, Snader. And then um, uh, Chosen Comedy, we have an Instagram page, chose, it's one word, Chosen Comedy ATX. Okay. And that's, uh, that's it, I think. Okay. And then you can always just find me walking around. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you, people, you want people I do. I do run into, I, I work remotely, uh -huh. and I do run into, there's one comic that uh -huh. I frequently run into at a coffee shop. Oh, that's funny. Near my house. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so you can find me at Flight Path Coffee. Okay, Flight Path Coffee, everyone. Not sponsored. Exactly. Yet. I'm not either. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Eric got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents. Eric Snader, I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank, thank you, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely. been a lot of fun. Yeah.